Alright, so um, just say a very warm welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio. It's great to have Chris Thomas on again. So um, Chris, we just want to really get, get an update on you uh, from our audience who have been pestering me really just to um, just ask you some questions and also you was very kind to supply three wonderful articles on timelines, balls of light and the uh, also the urgency of the change that is coming or that we need to get involved in really so um, I just thought to start off really Chris just by asking you um, obviously the urgency that you feel with this change because in one of the articles you mentioned that perhaps um, there's not enough people embracing it I think you said about 40% of people were willing to go through this change like awakening type change to sort of move into uh, to house our full spirit in our body or our soul mm -hmm into our body and you're saying now that it's not anywhere near that is it 15 percent yeah 15 percent is about right at the moment um it's risen slightly actually in in the last month since i, I wrote that um essay um but no it, it's the problem is that we have a lot to overcome shall we say in the process that we're undergoing um, you know, we have the likes of the Bilderbergers, the elite Illuminati, whatever name you want to give them, trying to prevent it from happening. Uh, we've got the planet flooded with harp frequencies that are extra low frequencies. And we've got, of course, the Velon still messing around, or uh, Anunnaki, Hathor, Oa, Mila, Junda, Jornan, that people would know the names by rather than Velon. And so what we need really is a concerted effort by people to live up to the promise that they made, both to themselves and to the universe, to say, right, well, we're going to get through these changes. And at the moment, um, uh, well, I can I first say that really there is nothing that is going to stop this consciousness reintegration from happening. That's not in doubt. Uh, what is in doubt is how simple the process is and how easy the transitions become. The more people who are uh, ready to go through this change, um, then the smoother the transition will be and the easier it becomes for everybody else. But at the moment, we're wavering a bit below the ideal percentage. So really when this transition does occur, then it means that um, uh, it could be a bit lumpy, shall we say, let's put it that way, um, much more than it really needs to be. And I think the biggest problem of all is that so many people have fallen for so much of this channeled material. Um, the, the biggest problem in recent months has been the stuff about angels. Now, I don't know whether you've come across this one, but there was... Somebody was coordinating all of this and sending out emails to people saying, um, what we want you to do is to open your door at 10 o'clock at night and welcome in three angels who are going to turn up and stay in your house for five days and five nights. And they're going to do whatever it is they choose to do and you are not going to know what it is they do. And then at the end of the five days, you will open your front door again at 10 o'clock at night and thank them for being there and allow them to leave. And this has happened to some people, is it? 5,000 people fell for this one worldwide. Um, and basically, the angels so-called they were letting in were Velon. 
How do they manifest themselves? Do they look human? Do they look no, they don't. No, they don't. Um, you won't see them at all. You might sense a presence if you were psychic. Oh, I see. So you open the door, and then you shut the door, and to all intents and purposes, you don't see anybody. Yep. But then they come into your home. Because if you invited them in, I guess that's uh, the important part, isn't it? Exactly. And what they did whilst they were there was to erect um, something known as a Jed pillar. Now, a Jed pillar is an energy device. Uh, what it looks like is it, it's about a metre tall and about 15 centimetres diameter. It has, uh, it's, it's got some kind of crystalline core to it and it generates a massive amount of energy. And everybody who invited these angels into their homes in this way ended up with a Jed pillar stuck in their living room or wherever it was it was hidden within their homes. And the whole purpose of this exercise was to keep the V-Long close to the, uh, to the Earth. Um, because there are moves outside of our solar system to destroy the V-Long, essentially removes them from the universe because of their activities that they've been up to. And what the V-Long are trying to do is to feed off uh, people who've invited them into their homes or have gone along with this Ashtar Command, Galactic Federation, Galactic Council, um, ascending to a fifth dimension, all this sort of stuff. All the people who've fallen for that garbage, they're using to try and maintain their position close to Earth so that they can create even more problems for us, particularly to try and stop us going through the transitions that we're going through. So the more people who fall for that, the more it keeps the VLON in, in place and the more problems it causes. So it's um, it's been a problem for a long time. I mean, let, let, let's be honest. I mean, the is the VLON who are behind the Illuminati. They're the ones who set it up and controlled it. So for 240 years or whatever it is, they've been manipulating human activity. And um, this is why there are so many crazy things going on on the planet, like diet being one of them, pharmaceutical industries being another. Um, there's rubbish about uh, man-made global warming is another one. All of it's designed to mislead people and generate fear. And this is what the VLON wants. In America, in the American state of Georgia, um, uh, back in the end of the 60s, whatever the date was, I can't remember now, but the, somebody erected these five lumps of granite. Oh, the Guidestones. The Georgia Guidestones. That, are, that have innate languages carved into them. It says to maintain the human population to 500 million. Hmm. And th this was then reinforced by um, the United Nations uh, conference in Rio de Janeiro, uh, which said pretty much the same thing. We must reduce the human population to 500 million. Yeah. So can mm -hmm. I just, can, and it's an unbelievable thing, isn't it? Because I, mean, I did watch a documentary and they mentioned that it was a mason that came along. But then if they knew it was a mason, they, they would know who did it. So I'm not quite sure if they actually know that. Well, we know the company that manufactured them and installed them. Uh, but we don't know who actually uh, commissioned them and paid for them. Uh, because the, the guy who approached the uh, the company that actually manufactured them called himself um, a Christian or something like that. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the, this is inevitably the uh, something to do with the Illuminati. 
And uh, as I say, the United Nations, the Agenda 21 documents, which have been signed by 93 governments, say exactly the same thing. Yeah. Just in different languages. They use 40 chapters and about 10,000 pages, I think it is, yeah. for that particular document to say the same thing. But that's what it amounts to. So that's the, what the agenda is, um, if you like, is to um, create... A, a much reduced population on the planet that are totally under the control of the Illuminati. How do these people manifest themselves to people in power, or, or do they actually take, do they sort of corrupt their energy? Because there's a lot of people that sort of rise to the top, if you like, through greed and, and, and stuff like that, but do they actually see these beings, or is it, are they sort of being contaminated by their energy, if you like? Um, I, I think it's a combination of both, to be honest, from what I've seen of them. The, the VLAN are capable of making themselves physically uh, visible. Um, but much of it's to do with the influence they have on humans. So you have this uh, small group, let's call them the Illuminati. I know it's a name David Icke coined, I think, more than anybody else, um, who are made up of 19 members. And these 19 humans were um, energetically altered, shall we say, so that they have a very prolonged lifespan. And um, so what they do is then they work through organizations such as the Bilderbergers, the Trilateral Commission, various organizations like that, and they influence very heavily what government policies are. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, some years ago when Margaret Thatcher was still as Prime Minister, uh, somebody leaked Bilderberger's um, minutes of a meeting that said that Thatcher must go. And within a month, she was gone. She was thrown out of office. And there was another set of minutes that I came across that said that Tony Blair is to be the new, the next British Prime Minister. And um, But this was before any election ever took place. So these people influence in that way. And also the... Um, the heads, the people who actually own the media. You know, 80% of all the media is actually owned, only owned by five people. And all of those five people are members of the Bilderbergers. So you have an organization like that, which then starts to dictate policy and what people actually hear in the media. Um, what was the other one? Um, somebody in America took... Fox News, you know, Fox News is quite quite a famous news station. Yeah, we've um, uh, That's it. And um, they took them to court because they found something written in their newspaper, which um, turned out to be a lie. It was a fabrication, deliberate fabrication by Fox News. And the High Court in America ruled that the press is not under any uh, legal requirement to tell the truth. <laughs> They can say anything yeah. they like, and it is up to the readers or the listeners to determine the truth of the situation yeah. of the report. So you see, that's how you get at people, and it, it's very simple. And of course, you just drip feed things through the through the media, and people pick it up because people don't read as much as they used to. So what people want more than anything else is a soundbite. So you have the TV news, the radio news, bits in magazines, newspapers, whatever. You have these little little pieces, and people pick up on it. And uh, eventually you build up into this 
belief structure that bears no, re- no resemblance to what we should be doing. Yeah, that's right. They, they define how we think, what we wear, what we listen to. You know, I think young people think that they're trendy and uh, you know discovering new things, but in actual fact, they're being sort of moulded that way by by the media, by the very powerful people in control. Yeah, you know, I mean, on a very simple level, um, you know, if, if you look at uh, a woman's body shape, you know, what we have now is the stick insect supermodels. I mean, that's what they look like. They don't look like women. They look like stick insects. But that's what the media presents as being how a woman should look. And yet the woman's natural shape um, uh, makes her more, should we say, voluptuous than these stick insects. But if you have a st- stick insect body shape, for example, you can't give birth because your body doesn't produce enough nutrients to feed a, a, growing, ch- a growing child. So it, it, by creating woman in that kind of image, you're saying you can't, you can't have children, which is one of the main reasons why you know, the birth rate is dropping so radically as it is, is because women are, are physically incapable of becoming pregnant. But it's a media thing. It's saying, we don't want you to do this, therefore we're going to present this image to you that is the ideal, and we're going to hit our 500 million targets. So, so going back to the human plan, you know, with such, uh, you know, sort of grand control over the planet and people, it just seems that everything's lost because it's, you know, there's so many people that, you know, people like us, I guess, who listen to this are so in the minority when you think about it, how how do we have any chance of actually compl- complete, completing this human plan? Well, um, at, at the moment we have something like 15% of the um, uh, population who in '96 said we can make this change. Um, so th- th- let's clarify those figures a little bit. So in 1996, there was a new energy connected to the planet that really gives us everything we could ever possibly need to get us through these changes. And um, when that energy was connected, there was a sort of question asked, if you like, a census taken of every single person on the planet on uh, on a higher self level that said, are you ready or are you not to undergo this change? And 40% of the Zen population said, yes, they were. So on those figures, what we have at the moment is 15% of the population have actually done the work and have got through it and are ready to make this final step into full solar reintegration into the body. That 15% amounts to about 1 billion people. as 1,000 million people worldwide already. On the other side of it, um, some people have decided to complete this solar reintegration process early, for whatever reason. And there are currently over 3 million people on the planet who have already completed. In other words, these are humans who have the whole of the soul back within the physical body. Now, they're, they're located in isolated tribal cultures for the main part. There's a big, big group in uh, in Europe. Um, they just build psychic shields around themselves, so nobody will ever find them unless they want you to find them. So people are there. They have. They we have the ability to do it. We have all the energy we need in place in order to do it. What, what the biggest problem is is that people 
Um, this is this is going to sound like a horrible criticism, but it isn't because um, let's face it, as you say, most people don't understand what's going on, um, and so a lot, people, generally speaking, do not want to take responsibility for their actions, whether it's past actions or present actions, and so they always look to somebody else to try and sort their problems out for them. And this is why the likes of the Velon have been so successful, Ashtar Command, uh, uh, Galactic Federation, Galactic Council, all of the, all these beings, these angel things, whatever. Because they're saying to people, don't worry about it, we, we'll do the work for you. And people are stepping back and saying, okay, fine, that sounds wonderful to me. And um, what does it mean? We, we've lost that percentage. So if those people are not doing the work, what happens though? I mean, is this, if the shift is going to happen anyway, does, does this mean that they will go through it, but it just means it's going to be bumpy for the rest of us? No. If you, there are certain criteria you have to meet. Um, that is energy compatibility with the planet. If you cannot meet that criteria, then you cannot remain on the planet. It'll be a physical impossibility. L- literally, um, um, I put this. There's no such thing as gravity. The thing that keeps us on the planet is the soul-to-soul connection between you as an individual soul and the planet as a soul. So this is why the root chakra is called the root chakra. It literally roots us to the planet, so it connects our soul as an individual to the planet as a consciousness, as a soul. And unless we maintain energy compatibility with the planet, then literally the soul cannot remain connected to it. So we have to meet certain criteria along the way in order to remain on the planet. So is this the work where people have to sort of release uh, pent-up emotions or baggage and things like that, things that are sort of keeping them bogged down, really? Right there? It essentially, yes. Um, you know, I mean, we go through life and things happen. And we have an emotional reaction to whatever it is that happens. And the important thing really is all about how we express our emotions in connection with whatever that situation happens to be. Now, in, in the past, if, if we don't express our emotions or haven't expressed our emotions, what we end up with is a physical ailment, an illness because it's the soul's way of saying you've strayed off your path. What you need to do is to correct um, your your actions to get yourself back on path. And the best way to do that is to dump the emotions. And this is how illness has always arisen throughout the past. And um, now um, things have changed slightly because the Earth's energy frequencies have risen considerably to what they have been traditionally. And so what we need to do is to raise our own personal energy frequencies to match that of the Earth's. If we fail to do that, then literally we are incompatible with the planet and the soul must return to its place of soul origin. In other words, we can't stay on the planet. Now, to give you some idea of what the differences are and what's going on, we're going to get complicated now for a little bit, I'm afraid. Okay. <laughs> uh, now, traditionally, the um, to live a human lifetime, 
we only needed about one quarter of the total soul in the physical body, which means that the higher self makes up three quarters of the total soul. But we've been living this thing called the human plan. And what the human plan is all about is experience, is living through a, new, a number of lifetimes, the reincarnation process, to gain experience of how we find out what the planet's base node frequency should be. Because when we first came here, first developed on Atlantis, the Earth's base node frequency was 7.56 hertz, about 7.56 cycles per second. Don't worry about how technical it sounds, but it's, that, that was basically the energy frequency that the Earth adopted to create physical life. Now, we've known for an awfully long time that that frequency was too low. Um, we couldn't maintain the whole soul within the body for the lifespan that we anticipated we should be able to live on the Earth. Because by, if you like, shrinking the soul down to meet that base frequency meant that uh, we lost a lot of the higher brain, higher psychic functions that we should have. So we put into place this human plan thing to find out um, what the base node frequency of the Earth should be raised to in order to satisfy our criteria of keeping the whole soul within the body, but at the same time satisfying the Earth's criteria of maintaining all the plants and animals that we share this wonderful planet with. And it's taken us 7,000 years to work that one out. But basically what needs to happen, what, what has happened is that we needed to raise that base node frequency from the 7.56 cycles per second to 3,500 cycles per second. Now, the Earth did this back in May 2000. And so since May 2000, the Earth has been generating a base frequency at the 3.5 kilohertz level. And what we've been doing through this last year is catching up with the Earth, if you like. So we do, we're trying to raise our own base chakra frequency level from the old 7.56 up to the new 3.5 kilohertz. This is why, for a lot of people, this last year has been traumatic, shall we say, um, because people are desperately trying to dump all their rubbish, get rid of all the stuff they've been carrying around with them, and to be able to raise their frequencies up to that new new base level. And an awful lot of people have been very successful. You know, don't get me wrong. Um, the, um, it's, it's just that an awful lot of people don't want to let go. They, they don't want to get rid of the rubbish they're carrying around with them. They don't want to understand what they need to do to sort their bodies out, even though they said back in 1996 that they were ready to go through this. So it's, this is where why this last year has been one of the great conflict, certainly in the conflict for an awful lot of people. And then on top of that, of course, we have all the uh, propaganda that's coming at us by those who don't want us to change, like the Illuminati, Bilbergers, whatever. Um, they're trying to prevent us from going through this change process because they want a, a com compliable um, population that they can control, not ones that take over the planet and throw them off. So we have this huge conflict going on where people need 
knows that they need to sort themselves out, knows that they need to change, knows that they need to be part of what's going on. Whilst at the same time, you have this massive amount of propaganda telling you, you know, we've got all these problems on the planet, look at the mess you've made, and uh, you're never going to change in any way. Sort of idea. Mm. But people are there. As I say, we, we have, there are one billion people on the planet who, now who are ready to make this change. And we have three million people who have already made that change. So we know that it is possible. It's just a question of people taking responsibility for their own actions and for themselves, clearing out the bits of rubbish that they're carrying around with them on an emotional level, making sure that physically their bodies are as in good a condition as they can be. And then that's it. We're ready. We're done. Uh, you know, the step will occur when, when it will occur. We don't have an exact date for when this final change will occur, but it's very soon. So will it be subtle, though? Will it be, would we know, or would it just be a case of the, the future will unfold differently, you know? Oh, no, we know. Um, uh, no, it, it, it's so obvious. It's, um, it, it's so obvious it's difficult to describe. Um, the you know we're used to these uh, our physical senses, the five physical senses, uh, you know, uh, uh, sight, uh, hearing, touch, smell, and feel. Um, they're like the only way I can describe it is like they're they're like single notes in comparison to the symphony of what true psychic awareness really is. And so once you go through this transition, you know you've gone through that transition because you are so aware of everything that there is around you. Um, You communicate psychically with other people. You communicate psychically with animals, with plants even. And that comes naturally to you. And so, yes, you know, it's not a subtle change. It, it, it is a massive shift on a level that we've never really experienced before. Yeah. So can I, can I just ask um, about your own journey here? I mean, how did you sort of um, open up in this way with the abilities that you've got to, to tap into the Akashic Records? Um, and, and how do you experience that? How do you do you step into a vivid reality where you see them? Just want to sort of know, work out the process that you go through to discover this information. Well, sure. Um, an awful lot of your listeners are going to hate me for this. They really <laughs> are going to hate me for this one. It comes naturally to me. I was born that way. I was born hardwired into the Akashic. It took me a long time to work out quite what it was I was hardwired into. Um, but um, literally all I have to do is think of a question and I will get the answer. Now, I don't need to go into any kind of meditation. I don't need any kind of intermediary other than just my higher self. So I work within my higher self and all the answers that I could ever possibly want are available to me. Um, the only problem is is finding what the questions are. You know, I mean, we, we, any, anybody can think of 10 million questions at any one time. Um, but you've then got to try and break that down into what are the basic questions and what is it you really want to know. Uh, but as, as once 
once I've got a question, then uh, no, literally, I just have to think the question and I have the answer. Um, it, it's not even like there's a voice that says this is what the answer is. Um, I just know instantly what the what the answer actually is. Mm. And that, that again is an example of what it will be like when we've undergone this soul reintegration process is that everybody will be able to access the Akashic and they just have to ask the question and they'll know automatically. Yeah. So what about, does the Akashic hold future probabilities as well? Is it, or is it literally um, the, 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 the actions that we've taken in the past? The, the word Akashic is Sanskrit, um, which is a very ancient language. And what it means literally is record. So what the Akashic does is purely and simply record. So it doesn't predict. But having said that, it, it is possible to, what would be the word, extrapolate a possible future. Um, it, you know, as, as, as you or I or anybody else goes through our lives, we're faced with um, situations where we have to make a decision. Um, you know, do, do I go to the cafe today or do I go to the sandwich shop? You know, I mean, they can be on that kind of level, whatever. Now, if you go to the, uh, if you go to a cafe for lunch, let's say, uh, potentially you're going to meet somebody who you've never met before, but they could change your life. But if you decide to go to the sandwich shop instead, you won't meet that person. So whatever decision you make at any one time within your life creates um, possibilities for a future event or how the rest of your life is going to go. Now, throughout human history, certainly this last 7,000 years of the human plan, then whatever decisions we've made, we will um, go along with whatever possible future or potential future our actions and decisions take us into. But the closer we get to this 2012 date, um, then the less and less options we have available to us. So in other words, if we decide to go to the sandwich shop today or the cafe today, that isn't going to make any difference because um, we're, we're either going to meet the person regardless or uh, we're not going to meet the person we need to meet regardless of where we go or what we do because we've run out of time. So all the options that we've had in our history are no longer available to us. So instead of having an infinite variety of choices available to us and an infinite number of decisions we can make available to us, as we approach this 2012 end date, then the options available to us become less and less and less and less and less. So we, were, we are going through a process where the higher self is saying, you need to do this. This isn't a question of what do you think about doing this, it is you will be doing this. Mm. And so the Akashic could, can give you pointers, if you like, to where our likely position will be, let's say, in a year's time. Yeah. So what's, what are your thoughts on a lot of the uh, what are, you know, conspiracy theories? There's a lot of panic at the moment with... Um, you know, people worried about Comet Ellering, you know, and Nibiru and things like that. And I've been sort of watching both sides of the argument. I've been sort of watching NASA uh, presentations, trying to get a rational point of view on it. And they seem fairly convincing that there's nothing to worry about. 
and on the other side of it there seems to be a lot of uh, researchers in the kind of conspiracy camp that have their opinions on it I just wondered if oh, you yes. had your, your own opinions <laughs> <laughs> yeah I actually read an email this, after, this evening that said um, somebody was going on about it saying oh well you know, Alenian isn't a comet, it's a guided ship, and it's being followed by a fleet of tetrahedral-shaped craft. <laughs> if you pardon the expression, bollocks. Um, it's a comet. Comet comets have a specific function within the universe, uh, which is to deliver new life to planets it passes by. That, that's, that's how the Earth was seeded with life in the first place. This is sort of the theory of panspermia in practice, if you like. So what we have again is we have this massive amount of channeled material from the Vion, whether it's through the Anunnaki, Hathor, uh, Ashtar Command, Angels, whatever it is. What they're trying to say to people is Nibiru is on its way, because that again is a Vion thing, is the Nibiru thing. And... um, People are picking up on it because that's what they want to believe. Again, they they want somebody to take responsibility for them rather than sort of their own lives out. What the Lenin, the remember the one that hit Jupiter a few years ago, uh, the Schumacher Levy comet. Oh yeah, yep. Um, now what that did was to bring new life to Jupiter by smashing into the surface. It created alterations to Jupiter's surface and introduced new life forms to it because every single planet within our solar system is waking up. They're beginning to regenerate life. And this is what the Lenin is doing, is bringing new life with it, even new life to Earth. Um, so that's what we've got to look forward to, is this is a process that is quite natural, uh, is part of the changes that are going on, and it has got nothing to do with Nibiru, fleets of tetrahedral-shaped craft or whatever it is, it's just purely and simply a lump of rock, well, a lump of ice that's carrying new life, which comets have always done for, you know, the billions of years of the history of the universe. But don't they say that comets um, normally are, they're kind of harbingers of something, like change or rebirth or something like that? I know that some of the Native American Indian tribes sort of look at comets as, as something like that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I got no problem with that one. Um, Schumacher Levy, for example, did uh, leave a new life form on Earth as it did its orbit around the solar system, and some of these were washed up by the uh, uh, the tsunamis that hit the Philippines, and they're crabs. Um, but basically, these are crabs that are self-aware. So you've got highly intelligent crabs living in the deep ocean that are self-aware of themselves. And I was brought in on a comet. Yeah. And so Lenin is potentially doing the same thing. I, I'm, I've got really, I have to say, I've got no idea what life form she's carrying. Um, but not at the moment, anyway. But essentially that's what her job is, is, is to bring these things in and um, help the solar system rejuvenate, which is what the whole of the solar system is doing, is creating new life. Yeah. And another thing I just wanted to cover as well, was uh, I was quite intrigued by the... The, uh, the balls of light article, and um, you know, oh. especially around the the crop circles as well, because I've never really considered that it could be Earth involved in creating these things. It's like, you know, because obviously planet Earth is an intelligent entity, and you know, why shouldn't she 
try and express herself in you know in some way. Well, the, the, um, uh, if you go back to um, the early eighties, what we have what we had then was the very first of these uh, really complex glyphs appearing in um, in crops and um, it was a, a, um, a tablet shaped glyph um, and basically uh, so one of the newspapers showed it to an ancient languages expert and asked him what he thought of it and he said it's ancient Sanskrit and what, the, what is said on this glyph is uh, conserve water we're in for a dry summer mm. And and it's true that that was the very first year of drought that we'd had for many many years, and um, but that's what this crop formation said, and so it, the the reason why the earth chooses Sanskrit is because that that was the last language we could use where we could actually communicate directly with the earth ourselves. Yeah, since then we haven't been able to, and of course if you look at the crop formations that have appeared ever since um, they they use quite different symbology, they don't use direct language as it were very mathematical aren't they? Oh, they're, they're fabulous, I love them um, except of course there, there is idiots out there who try faking them um, and again the, the thing is if there was nothing genuine to fake what, what are they faking? Well, the military seem to have a keen interest in them. I mean, the times oh. I've been down to see them with Mark, we've always seen black helicopters over the top flying in very, very low, you know, to intimidate, basically. Yeah, and, scary, uh, isn't it? Mm. Um, but yes, basically, what the crop formations are, are formed by these orbs, these balls of light. Um, there was a classic video taken by two students, um, would it be about 10 years ago now, I think? Yeah, I've seen that, yeah. Uh, we, we showed these two balls of light come in, um, formed the formation, they went off, and then two others came in and finished it off, sort of thing. Um, now, an awful lot of people say, oh, it's a fake. Um, but they, it, it was taken to the people who do the Hollywood special effects, um, Industrial Light and Magic. And they analysed it frame by frame, and they said we could not fake that. It would, at the very least, it would take us something like three months of the most advanced computer systems we have to fake yeah. two little pieces of the film. They could probably fake it, but you'd be able to tell it's fakes, right? Um, no, they said it, it would take them a good three months of the most advanced computer systems they had at the time to get anywhere near what what that image looked like. And so they said, no, th this has not been faked. Th this is real-time film. And that's what I've always felt about it. So despite all the attempts by the government and all the rest of it to say, oh, no, no, no it's an absolute fake. Um, no, my, my feeling has always been that it is a very genuine real-time film. But that is how crop formations form. Are, or are formed. It's been, what these orbs are is a little piece of the Earth's consciousness delivering a message of some kind um, that can be directly uh, to individuals or it can be 
um, through the crop formations or increasingly they're becoming interplanetary. So as each of the planets within the solar system wake up and start to rejuvenate, then they're all passing messages back and forth to each other. And so um, some of the orbs we'll see on Earth are not actually from the Earth herself, but from other planets. And the Earth is also generating these orbs or balls of light, whatever you want to call them, uh, that are going off and communicating with the other planets as well. So it's um, it's a lot more. I mean, we're, we're not talking about, you know, these are unicorns in disguise or guardian angels in disguise, as some people seem to claim for these things. They, you know, and really is to misunderstand the whole process involved here. Yeah, but these are plasma balls, aren't they? Are they called plasma balls? The ones you can physically see with your eyes rather than the ones that you capture on camera? Um, they're not necessarily plasma. Uh, plasma is a highly energized gas with positive ions in it, I think is the definition of plasma. <coughs> um, and so they're not necessarily made of plasma, but they are more electromagnetic in form because all consciousness is electromagnetic. And so what you're looking at is the ones that are actually visible, um, just purely and simply, um, they're more highly concentrated, shall we say, or greater concentrations of electromagnetic energy to form the, the ball themselves. I mean, I saw one myself not so long ago. Um, in plain sight, it was it was about oh, I don't know um, ten o'clock in the evening, I think. Um, I could hear a um, uh, a Eurofighter jet buzzing around the house, and I thought, "What this is going on?" When I looked out the window, this um, glowing ball, um, which was uh, basically bright white in the center, but then feathered out to a sort of an electric blue color. But this thing was about three, four meters in diameter. It was a huge thing. Um, and it was obviously intelligently controlled as well because it was driving the Eurofighter pilot nuts. <laughs> and it was quite clear from the way that it was moving that it was doing it deliberately to annoy the Eurofighter pilot. And it was only in plain sight for a few seconds, and then it just sort of shot off into the distance, followed by this fighter. Um, so, you know, they're, they're used for all sorts of purposes, but yes, they, they are a consciousness, part of the consciousness of the planet itself. It's a communication device. It's, if you like, the Earth is sending emails. Is the same sort of concept, I suppose, because, you know, emails are electromagnetic impulses within the computer line. These are electromagnetic impulses, but traveling along the surface. No, it's, 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 no, it's very interesting. I, mean, I saw a ball of light. Actually, two of us, me and my wife, saw a ball of light last um, New Year's Eve. We both see it together, physically, with our eyes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're at Quite a isn't it? It is. It's amazing. When you both see it, of course. And um, but there was another incident with a guy called Colin Andrews, and they went to see a crop circle, and then suddenly they were intimidated by helicopters, and these helicopters were actually following a ball of light on the film mm-hmm. on the field. And you can actually see it on video. You can actually watch the helicopter following this ball of light, and then the other helicopter coming in very very low to intimidate Colin Andrews and some of the film crew. So they obviously don't. <laughs> 
whoever these people are in these helicopters, they don't want these things flying around, do they? They don't want people to see them. No, they don't. No. But it sort of makes you wonder. I mean, a lot of people hear about Bilderberg, Illuminati, um, a lot of these negative uh, energies or people that are working for these negative energies. But there are, there must be good energies working with us as well that we don't seem to know a lot about. They don't seem to, they're not making themselves known to us. But they are they there? Are there guardians that are working with us? Oh, very much so. Um, there, there are guardians of the planet herself who are, um, if you like, fighting the battle against the Velon as much as they're allowed to do. Um, we have um, a positive energy intake. On, we have two massive energy intakes on the planet. Uh, one's at um, Silbury Hill in Wiltshire, and which is stabilised now at around about 8 million dimensions. That's a lot of energy. And we have a primary energy point uh, up in the north of Exmoor, uh, which has been pumping massive energy into the planet and the ley line grid. And that's up at uh, 53 million dimensions, believe it or not. I mean, that, that is a phenomenal amount of energy. And that, that's firing up this change. I mean, that, that one in Exmoor was connected in 90, 1996 which began this whole process of change that, that we're undergoing. So we do have massive positive energies coming in. The, the thing you have to remember, though, is that we, we are a universe that is founded on the energies of freedom of choice. So in other words, every soul that exists within this universe has absolute freedom of choice to choose their actions. Now... What we have are the concerted efforts of the Illuminati, Bilderbergers, whoever, uh, trying to tell us one thing. And yet on a soul level, we know within ourselves something different, something else. It's a question of what choice we make as to who we listen to or what message we listen to. Do we listen to our own inner voices, to what the soul is actually saying? Or do we listen to the media propaganda? And it's the choice we make that determines how positive things become. If we continue just listening to all this rubbish about, you know, climate change, um, Al-Qaeda, uh, the diet, whatever it is, um, we've made a choice to listen to it. But if we listen to what our inner voices are saying, what the soul is trying to say to us, then we make a choice in that direction, and that becomes much more positive, and to a greater extent, once you listen to your own inner voices, you ignore everything else that's going on around you because it isn't your choice. Mm. So is it a solar system um, change that's happening or is it a universe change? Because it seems that the other planets are waking up and becoming more energetic. The sun seems to be more energetic, but it's going into a quieter period. It's almost like a bit of a contradiction in a way that it's quieter, but it could produce actually more devastating you know CMEs or something like that to take out the the satellites. I mean, I'm just trying. I'm confused about all that sort of thing. What, what's, what's your take on that? Well, every single planet in the solar system originally um, supported life. Um, we just had a disaster that occurred within the solar system 3.8 million years ago, and it destroyed uh, pretty much all life within the solar system apart from Earth. 
Um, and so for those 3.8 million years, all the other planets, because don't forget every planet is a consciousness and the sun is a consciousness, so everything is a soul, if you like, so it's keeping his eye on what's going on. So for 3.8 million years, the Earth has been struggling on trying to sort itself out and uh, get back on track and produce a full human being again, that, that is a, a physical being with the whole soul within the body. So all these planets have been watching everything that's going on and thinking, do I start to wake up and start again? No, don't I. But as we approach this ended, where all the work on Earth is, if you like, congealing, it's all coming together. Not congealing, coalescing, I suppose, is a better word. It's all coming together. And the other planets are going, I think we can wake up now. I think, I think the Earth has solved the problems and therefore we can get on with our own agendas of creating and bringing about new life, welcoming in new life. And, um, you know, it, it's it's like if you move house, let's say. Um, you get all excited about moving into your new house and then all of a sudden you notice a crack in the ceiling. And that stops you in your tracks and you think about it for a little while and then, okay, and you get on with it. And you move on from that. And um, this is what's happening with the planets. The, they've started to move and they've made the first moves to bringing about new life but they, they, then they can stop sometimes and start to take stock and sort of think right well what i need to do is let things evolve let things move on by themselves before i make the next stage so to a certain extent that's what's going on really is they've made a start now we'll see what happens let, let, let it cook for a little while and then we'll pick up when we find out more information about how things are going to develop. And the sun's been doing this as well. Um, we had a really quiet period uh, for 400 years between sort of um, uh, 1530 and 1800, sorry, 300 years between 1530 and 1800, where we had a mini ice age, basically, where the average global temperature was one and a half degrees below freezing. And since 1800, the temperatures have been rising steadily uh, up until about 1995, where they stopped rising. And um, so temperature change occurs because of sun activity. It doesn't occur because of carbon dioxide or any other factors. It's just purely and simply how active the sun is. So the sun woke us up, if you like, warmed us up and stopped, ready for to see what happened in 96 when this new energy began to hit. And uh, a few months ago, what we saw were some of the biggest energy bursts the sun has ever re produced in recorded history. So what is happening is the sun has again is doing the same thing. It's taken stock. It said, right, okay, well, what's happening? What's going on? What does the Earth need? What do the other planets need? Let's have a look. Let's get feedback from them. Let these, you know, we'll send balls back and forth to each other and find out what's going on. Once we've got to a point where we know what's going on, then they can start again. And so this is what's happening with the sun at the moment. It's beginning to wake up. And we're getting, starting to get massive outbursts of energy from the sun again that are designed to work not only with Earth, but also all of the other planets. So over the next few months, we should start seeing uh, global temperatures start to rise again. And they will continue rising for some time to come because it reflects the energy output that the sun is creating. So it's um, 
it's a slightly complex situation. And yes, the potential is you could take all satellite, every satellite out of the sky. Mm. So, so maybe, it, yeah. would that be a bad thing? Well, I mean, Ultimately. are we using are we using the right technology? Are we using technology in the right way? No, no, no we never have, because all of this based technology, all human based technology, is destructive. We destroy things to create something else. We don't take a natural resource and work with it in a way which is beneficial to both. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I was reading somewhere that Nikola Tesla, um, uh, well, potentially invented something that could have tapped into sort of the energy around the planet for free. You could have had an antenna that yep. would have taken energy out of the uh, upper atmosphere somewhere, and yet we still drill for oil in, de in destructive ways. Well, um, Tesla created his uh, stuff based on using the 7.56 hertz frequency. Right, okay. So basically, what he was doing was tapping into the electromagnetic emissions from the planet herself. And uh, what he developed was a system where you didn't need any electricity, you didn't need any wiring. Basically, if you had an electrical appliance, let's say a computer, you you put an antenna on the computer and that would itself tap into the 7 to 7.56 frequency and you could run your computer on it. Uh, you could run your car on it, a plane, boat, whatever it is you wanted, could run off this, these frequencies. Tesla proved all of that conclusively. And he did a deal with um, somebody who uh, was going to sponsor him so that they built a full test station, literally a power station in the middle of New York State. And his sponsor discovered that once this uh, power station, whatever you want to call it, was built, there wasn't, there wouldn't be a profit to be made in it. Because once you tapped into this, the ethereal frequencies, as um, Tesla called them, then everything was free. Hmm. So the, the sponsorship was withdrawn. And because uh, the main sponsor owned an oil company, so basically it was, well, I'm going to lose profits on my oil and I'm not going to make a profit out of Tesla's work. So stuff for Tesla's work, I'm going to continue making profit out of oil. And that's what it's about. It, it's always been what profit can be made out of it, not, not what is best. Because if Tesla's work had gone ahead, then we literally would have had 100 years of pollution-free energy. Mm. We could also be 100 years of, or more advanced in our spiritual technical evolution as well. Exactly. By now, so, but I mean, yeah. it's, that, it's a human issue as well, isn't it? So obviously, the, there's these energies that are coming in, uh, like with Vidon and Anarchy, but it does. There are flaws in the human, in the human, I guess, as well, isn't there? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And this is what we're trying to iron out now, and why the Earth raised her frequencies and everything, and we're trying to catch up with them, is to get rid of all the fundamental flaws that we've always had, because. Um, ultimately, what our aim is is to bring the whole of the soul back into the body and live a life that you know can be eighteen hundred years long, uh, where we communicate psychically with the planet, with each other, with animals, whatever it is, um, and we live in absolute harmony with everything that exists. That's the, that's the goal. Mm. And this is what we are heading towards very rapidly now. Yeah. So do you think the change is going to happen 
by the end of 2011 or do you I mean could we be disappointed is there any, is there any element that it may not happen at all well as I say there are over 3 million people on the planet who've already done this so it's not a question of if it will happen it's a question of when it will happen um, and uh, really the, there isn't an absolute determining factor here but the uh, 21-12-12 does play a crucial role in this. It is a crucial date. Um, I mean, for example, if if you're a remote viewer and you're used, to, you're uh, able enough to travel around the solar system and travel through back in time, sort of thing, um, then it is possible to travel forwards in time, hmm. only only to certain possibilities. Not not what the absolute future is going to be, but the possibilities that the future could be. Nobody has ever yet succeeded in getting past the end of 2012. It's impossible. Right. Yeah. So if if you like, 21st of December 2012 is a barrier. It it is an energetic barrier of immense power, and nobody can get past that. So we cannot see what the future will be in absolute terms. Uh, all we can do is guess at, at what is to come. But yes, the, the date of the end of December 2012 is very critical to uh, everything that's going on on the Earth and by extension throughout the whole universe. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We're actually on the top of the hour now, Chris. But um, all right. Yeah. Before we before we go, I mean, is, is there anything else that you want to um, have an opportunity to say um, that you yeah. know? No, you said quite a lot already. <laughs> you said quite a lot already, actually, haven't you? Just if there's anything. Yeah. Are you... uh, well, really, basically, it's to do with people. People have choices. We have absolute choice of where we go with things, who we believe, and what we do. If you choose to disbelieve anything I've said, that's fine by me. That's your problem, not mine. Um, but really, what it comes down to is forget about the Anunnaki plan. Um, of taking people off to the fifth dimension. Forget about Ashtar Command. Forget about angels and all the rest of it. It comes down to people in the end, and it's the choices that people make that will determine what our future is. And more importantly, it will determine how smooth our transition from one phase of human being into a new human being will be. The more people who can make it, the better. Um, the 40% in 1996 amounts to roughly two and a half billion people. And we're less than half of that. We're only around about the one billion people who are ready to make that change at the moment. So what about that one and a half billion? You know, basically, get a grip. Get your act together. Stop listening to this rubbish. Listen to your own inner voice and do what you need to do for yourself. And the world will be a considerably better place very soon if you do that excellent okay well, that's, that's a great way to end the show there Chris and uh, thank you for coming on and um, you know well, my pleasure my, my, you know, thank you for asking me back no more than welcome okay thank you very much alright right, cheers, cheers bye bye bye, bye.